We have a big goal this year to read the whole Bible as a church. To be successful, we have to remember this challenge is a marathon, not a sprint. It is about consistency, lifestyle, and healthy habits. Once you hit the starting line, the race is long and steady. It takes endurance and perseverance. It requires a strong mind, a brave heart, and lots of resolve. It is hard to run alone. We need teammates, coaches, aid stations, and water stations. Food to keep us fueled. Family members holding signs that motivate us. And friends yelling encouragement. Most importantly, we must keep putting one foot in front of the other. Even if you slow your pace, don't, don't stop, stop, don't quit. quit. Keep fueling the fire. So I, I broke the news to the first service that uh, that voiceover is actually me. Um, so you're welcome for that. I'm just kidding. That was our shine kids. But that's um, a super awesome video. We are reading through the Bible. It's an awesome time. Let me reiterate a little bit about what Pastor Jarrett said. Prayer night, I, I know there's some, some stigmas to that of, man, I don't want to go and pray in front of people or, or uh, you know, that could be embarrassing. I'm not good at praying, this and that. Um, that's not what this is. This is... Uh, an event that Emma has put together where you come and, and there are stations set up around the celebration center where it, it's between you and God. It's a very personal thing and it's a beautiful thing. So um, truly the encouragement is to come and check that out because it was very, very moving last time uh, to walk through that. It was a beautiful thing. So um, I get to bring the message this morning. So uh, it, it was something, many of you probably don't know this. We plan our year out here as a team, as a staff for what we're going to preach about, what we're going to talk about uh, as far as Sundays go. And so this year was no different. We knew we were preaching through the Bible, and so it was kind of easy to say, okay, we're going to be here at this point, and this is the series we're going to do, or whatever. And so we knew today was the end of Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 28. And so we know it's the Great Commission. So several months ago, I was like, I'll do that one. Uh, and then I immediately regretted it because I realized I have to be on stage, and I don't like that. Um, but he wouldn't let me back out, so thanks for asking Pastor Aaron for that one. But um, I am super excited to, to bring the word this morning. We are going to be talking about the Great Commission. And so as I was reading and researching and praying and thinking about how God wanted me to present this, uh, I, I thought of a story of my son, who, who was four years old. Um, last year, he was three carry the one. Okay, uh, he was three years old last year. Uh, he got some binoculars, some of the plastic binoculars you'd get from like the toy store from Walmart, right? Like 12 bucks or something like that, uh, because he wanted to be like his dad, because he hasn't figured out that's a terrible idea. Uh, he, want, he still wants to be like me. I, I love going hunting. I love, uh, you know, deer hunting, bird hunting, elk hunting, even though I'm terrible at it. Uh, I love it, and, and so does he. And so he walks around the house with his plastic gun, and he shoots things, and it's really fun to see a three-year-old low crawl because he's not coordinated enough to do it. Um, and, and so he got these binoculars last year, and he's running through the house, and he's playing dad. He's playing hunter guy. Uh, and so he's finding all the deer, but he's not really looking through the binoculars a lot. And, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's, what's going on? What's, what's he doing? And, and so I'm just watching him, him play, and I realize, I'm like, oh, oh. 
I get it. And so I walked up to Leighton. I said, Leighton, you are more like your father than you realize. And I turned the binoculars around so we can see them the correct way. Uh, and then you, you'd have thought I, I hung the moon right then and there because he could see all of a sudden out the window. And when there's actually deer in our front yard, he can see them. And they're really up close and they're really clear. Uh, and he could see the same things looking the wrong way but it was just further away or blurry and not exactly how it was supposed to be. And so uh, the Great Commission, I think, is something like this. I, I think we can see through the lens and we can see what it looks like. It, it just may be far away or it may be blurry. And, and so hopefully we can unpack what the Great Commission is a little bit this morning and, and kind of scratch the surface about what it looks like. And, and for those of us that don't know what the Great Commission is, that's okay. We're going to unpack that. And so um, statistically, actually, 51% of churchgoers said they do not know what the Great Commission is. Uh, and, and so that's a statistic that is kind of alarming and kind of not. My, my prayer and my hope and kind of my, um, the joy inside of me behind that is hopefully there's a bunch of new believers uh, that are just now diving into the Word, right? And, and they're trying to figure things out. Um, and, and that number is increasing as we go. And so uh, we want to help combat that as Sheridan Wesleyan Church this morning and figure out exactly what the Great Commission is and what it looks like. And so um, we're going to start by, you know, reading the Great Commission because that makes sense. And so uh, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 28 or you can use your phones. Feel free to follow along the Bible app or we'll have it up here on the screen. And so Matthew chapter 28, we'll start in verse 18. It says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And so as we talk about what it looks like to, to read the Bible, uh, uh, we've talked over the past month or so about how we're supposed to do that and how we're supposed to do that right, um, some wrong ways to do that. And so looking at this text, we have to figure out what's happening in that time. Jesus has just been crucified, just been murdered on the cross. Uh, he's been buried, put in the tomb, sealed, guards in front. That's what was happening in that time. So the 11 disciples who've been following him all day, every day for uh, years are mourning their Messiah being lost. Then all of a sudden, Jesus is standing in front of their, these 11 disciples in Galilee, and I think some of them are in disbelief. And it says in the text previous to this and some of the other gospels that they don't know if they actually believe that this is Jesus. So he shows them his hands and his feet. There's nail holes there. And so they're, they're in full belief now that this is fully Jesus. And they had to have been like just on cloud nine. Their Messiah is not dead. They had to have been ready to run up and down the streets and, and, and scream this at the top of their lungs, yell it from a mountain because this is an exciting, exciting thing. And so Jesus says, hey, peace uh, like, if, if Jesus was alive and this happened this day, he'd be like, whoa, chill out. Wait a second. Let me tell you something. And, and this is what he's telling him in Matthew chapter 28. And so, uh, it, it's really then, take that excitement, take all this stuff that you've seen now and learn from me, now that you know I'm not dead, go and do. And this is what he's telling us. This is what he's telling his disciples. And so, we get a directive. We get a beautiful, amazing directive, every single one of us. But I think we can get it mixed up. I think we can look through the lens the incorrect way. And so, hopefully, let's flip this around. Um, I, I read a statement from Tim Chester, who is a pastor and an author of many books. Uh, he said something that kind of, uh, kind of rocked me and really made me feel like this was me. And so, uh, we're going to dive into this a little bit uh, and seeing how we can look at it the wrong way. And it says this, Our problem is that we think of ourselves as being the center of our world. 
we think of our lives as a story, and if we're Christians, as God being one of the characters in the story. We look for him when we need him and expect him to be grateful when we serve him. He is a lovely piece of our story, but we still think of it as our story. But it's not our story. It's God's story. And so looking at this, I think it's not only the Great Commission that we're doing this with. Uh, it's called a trajectory hermeneutic. And so essentially what we do is we take the Bible, we take the text, and we, we read it from the lens of who we are from the culture of what we know, from the events that have happened in our life, we interpret what we read because of what we've been through. So we look at it that way, and we approach it from the lens of our culture and our lives. Culture is going to define any story around you or me. Any, anybody that's been overseas or talked to somebody from, um, from overseas or a different country know that culture is a big deal. Even here in the United States, there's a lot of different cultures, and, and culture can define anything you do and say and read and how you interpret that. And so, we believe, especially in our culture these days, kind of across the world, that we're the main character in our story. And I think that's fundamentally wrong. I think we need to flip the lens of our binoculars and look through it as this is God's story that we get to be a part of. I think, <laughs> uh, I hope you laugh at this because I did. Um, I, I, it reminds me, has anybody seen the movie The Truman Show? So Jim Carrey, right, the, the premise is, like, it, it's a TV show. It explains how he becomes owned by a network or something. I don't know how. Um, but he's owned by a network, and essentially from his birth until uh, the show basically is on, he is the, the main character of a TV show in this kind of dome. Everybody around him is an actor. Everything is fake. Like, there's hidden cameras everywhere. Um, and it's—I would hate to have that in my life because— Goodness knows I can't sing in the shower, and that would be humiliating. Um, and so here he is, the center of his world, and, and he begins to see things. Um, he begins to look around and realize that there's more than just what he's seeing, more than just the people around him, more than just the small city he's a part of, more than just the day-to-day -day activities of, of joy, and he's having fun, and he's living a good life, but he realizes there's more to that. There's something bigger beyond that. Things happen to, to Truman throughout the movie that give him a dose of what's beyond this dome, beyond what's just about him. And, and then he ends up breaking free, and he finds out that the world is much bigger and better than just a world that revolves around him. And, and it actually even goes beyond that, because everybody uh, around the world are, is watching this TV show, and they're completely invested in what's happening in his life. And, and, and when he ends up breaking free, the show, for the first time in 30-odd years, gets cut off because he got out of the dome, he figured it out, there's something bigger and better than something that revolves around him. And even beyond that, the people that watch it, as soon as the TV cut off, they were like, he just wanted to, to see something bigger and better and see beyond this. And they turned their TVs off, and they began to be in their own world as well, of seeing it's much bigger than me, much bigger than Truman, much bigger than these things. There is a bigger thing out there for us. And I think that's how we should change our lens and see God is our bigger picture. God is beyond our dome, and that's who we're supposed to see and look at. And so why is the Great Commission so important? Why talk about it? And so I, I asked that question, and I figured it would probably be smart of me to answer the question myself before I teach anything about it. And so I wrote down the answer, and I realized I was writing down— you ever, you ever heard of the Sunday school answer? I was writing down the Sunday school answer. The Sunday school answer is like, you know, when you ask a, a kid in church what the answer to something in the Bible is, what's the answer? Jesus. It's always Jesus, because that's the Sunday school answer. That's what you're supposed to say. And I realized, like, that's what I was writing over and over and over again. Like, 
Why do it? Why is it important? Because of Jesus. Because of the Jesus. And I erased it, and I wrote it again, and I erased it, and I wrote it again. I realized that's exactly what it is. It's Jesus. The imperative of the Great Commission is to make disciples of every person, every peoples of the world. And that involves doing so with intentionality and doing so as we go through life. We're called, in Matthew 28, we're called to share the good news. That's what the gospel means. It means good news. It doesn't mean good secret. It means good news. You're supposed to tell people about it. And so, when I dive into that, and why talk about it, and why is it important, something so beautiful, but yet so basic, is because I think it gets confusing. It gets confusing for me, and this is where I'm coming from when I say this, and I'm, I, I, I'm assuming it gets confusing for all, most of you, if not all of you, is our understanding of the Great Commission will directly and dramatically impact our approaches to carrying it out. If we don't understand the Great Commission fully, we can't fully carry it out. Our biblical basis for understanding what the Great Commission is, if we don't have that biblical basis and that foundation, we will err in our approaches to carrying the Great Commission out. In some of those ways, in not having a solid understanding of what the Great Commission is, or not even knowing what the Great Commission is, we substitute things for it. Right? Like attending church. I'm fulfilling the Great Commission. If we don't fully understand it, it could be that. Uh, I know for, for me, I, I used to think baptisms was one of those mileposts or, or, or benchmarks. Where, man, if somebody can just get baptized, I'm, I'm good. Great Commission's done. Moving on. And that's not the case. Or, or those of us on staff at a church, you think, okay, if attendance can hit this number, we've accomplished the Great Commission. And that's the malpost we use or the, or, the, or the benchmark that we use to say that's our final target for the Great Commission. Well, that's not the case. Or, or uh, evangelistic events. They're beautiful and wonderful things. Baptism is a beautiful and wonderful thing. We should absolutely do all of these things. The Family Fun Fest, the, the uh, fall kickoff, the youth camps and kid camps and all the things that we do, these are absolutely necessary things, but they're not the final target. There's more to it than that. And so, how, how do we get hope from what we're reading in Matthew 28 to move beyond that, to push through that? And it says this in the beginning, that God the Father gave his authority to Jesus. So if we look at Jesus' life, we know Jesus was born. He was fully man. He grew up, his parents even yelled at him, like, uh, got into trouble, disappeared for a while, parents yelled at him. It was like, he's fully man. He grew up, grabbed his following, he was here on earth, fully man. I don't think we're going to disagree with that. Uh, but then you look at the text and you realize this is fully God as well. And there's text after text after text that reiterate what that is. You don't, you don't have to turn here, you can write these down. Uh, but Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27, I'm paraphrasing, um, it essentially says, God knows Jesus Jesus knows God and everything, every single thing was handed to Jesus by God. That's all authority, all of the things. John 3, 35, God, it's saying God loves his son, God gave him everything. John 13, 3, Jesus washed the apostles' feet from the position of having all authority and full well knowing what was gonna happen. There's verse after verse after verse where we can see, yes, Jesus was fully man, but yes, he was also fully God. And so from that, he is given all authority. And we say, well, what authority is that? And I'm going to answer the question like my wife absolutely hates me answering questions. I'll say, you know, she'll ask me, where do you want to eat? My answer is yes, because I'm not going to answer the question. I don't know. So when we talk about what authority is Jesus given, the answer is yes. All of it. All of the things. On heaven and on earth, over sickness, over disease, over, uh, over Satan, over the triumph over death. 
what we're reading right here in Matthew 28, that's the authority that he's given. And I think in that, we can find hope. We can find hope that Jesus is saying, uh, not only I, I've triumphed over this, I have all authority, I'm alive and well right now, and I, I, and I need you to do this, and I want you to do this. You're called to do this. This is the Great Commission. And so it's a command. So as I was reading and studying and trying to figure this out, I, I had three points that I wanted to give you this morning. And, and I prayed over those three points. And I read, and I talked to the team over these three points, and I realized uh, I don't need all three of these points. I'll just do two points. And, and then I prayed over those two points that I wanted you to take home, and that I wanted to take home. And then I realized I don't need those two points. I just need one single point to walk away from the sermon, to get as simple as possible, pulling exactly what Jesus is calling us to do in Matthew 28. And that one point is Jesus tells us to go. Period. And that, that go could be anywhere. It could be here in Sheridan. could be overseas. could be at your work, at your school. There's no limits to what this looks like. It's a powerful statement in a powerful time. Has anybody ever heard of the, the blue book? The, so in, in not, not Kelly Blue Book, like where you get cars. There's a thing called the blue book in the military. Before you deploy in the untimely event that you get killed in war, right, you have a blue book. Uh, and I had to fill this out twice because once wasn't enough. I had to fill it out twice, once before each deployment. And essentially, a blue book is your power of attorney. You, you hand that over to, to somebody in your family or one of your friends, and your will of where do you want all your stuff going, your, your money. And that time, I had a, like $5. That's a lot. And so I had to will that to somebody. You're welcome, Nancy. Um, <laughs> and, and then even beyond that, you had to plan your own funeral. You got to say, who, who did you want to speak at your funeral? Who did you want to play at your funeral? This is an uncomfortable thing. I don't know if anybody of you have planned your funeral. I've done it twice. It's not fun. And any of you, if you know me, you know that I like to make jokes when I'm uncomfortable. And so writing down Dave Matthews Band and Elton John as the singers <laughs> is not what your wife wants to hear in those moments. Just FYI, you're welcome for that one. That's free of charge. Um, but in those moments, I realize that there's something important that I have to write when, I, when I'm writing my funeral is what do I want my legacy to be? What do I want the pastor to say is my last directive to be? What do I want written on my tombstone for my last thing, uh, for my wife, for my kids, for my friends, for my church family, for, for those that I'll never meet? What do I want them to know? That's a powerful statement. That's a very hard statement. And I don't even know if I was able to do that. It was probably just a joke because that's a powerful thing to do. And so this is exactly what Jesus is doing. These are Jesus' last words. He was crucified on the cross. Yes, we know he said it is finished. He did a beautiful thing there. But then he was raised from the dead. Before his ascension to heaven, his last words to his disciple, to, to all 11 disciples, and essentially to all of us, was Matthew 28. That's powerful. That's what Jesus wants us to know above anything before he ascended to heaven, is that we must go and do. It's not, it's the Great Commission. And it's become something different for, um, for each one of us, I think. And some of us are living this out beautifully, and, and many of you are. Uh, but I think for me, I, I tend to put something on the end of the great. We end up calling it the great omission, or the great um, I'm not ready yet, or the great uh, I, I don't have the knowledge, or the great I'm too new at Christianity, or the great I just found out what the Great Commission is, or the great fill in the blank. Whatever the excuses that we have, I think we can call the Great Commission that. And I, and I think we should flip that lens around and look at it through the eyes of, of God's story and say, this is the Great Commission. This is what we're supposed to do. We all go. 
First, or 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and uh, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One sentence when I read this in my study, in this verse, that absolutely wrecked me was, yes, we know that, that we are reconciled to God. We see that, we read that. We have that relationship with Christ. Jesus died for us, died for our sins. We accept that, and we become Christ followers. We get to go to heaven. That's epic. That's awesome. I, I, I think we can understand that right now. But that's not where the sentence end. You look at the text, even in its original language, that's not where it ended. It said, and. And. We are made messengers of reconciliation. So when I say that, I say that we are a saved and sent people. Not a saved people, period. We are a saved and sent people. You can't be sent without being saved, and you can't be saved without being sent. It's a both and. We are the ambassadors of God's word. It's not, it's not just up to, to me. It's not just up to, to Pastor Aaron or Pastor Gretchen or Pastor Bethany or Pastor Jarrett or Emma or Susan or Ken or Nikki. It's not just to those of us, just because we're on church staff. Yes, it is up to us, but it's also up to you. Every single one of you. Every single one of us. It's our job to do this. And, and that means a, a lot of different things. We, we being the ambassadors and the message for Christ, um, is something the Bible doesn't just say in Matthew 28 or in 2 Corinthians. It also says it in Romans 10, 14 through 15. It says this, How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom, whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are being sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. How will anyone hear unless we go? That's the question. So how do we do it? Those of you that know me know I love the practical questions of, of beautiful sermons that are as complicated and as simple as this. It's a hard question. And, and to write down this answer, how do we live out the Great Commission? Everybody have your pens ready? I don't know. Uh, because I think, it, truly, it is different for every single person. I think God is calling you individually to, to share the Great Commission and live out the Great Commission in a way that's unique to who you are and who God made you. You put a, a bag of popcorn in a microwave. You weren't ready for the popcorn analogy. You're welcome. Uh, you put a bag of popcorn in the microwave. It's the same microwave, same heat, same time, same bag, same butter inside of it, and all the kernels are going to pop at a different time. Right? They're all the exact same things, but, but they're all popping at different times. I think our Great Commission is to spread God's word however that looks, whatever that looks like in every area. Um, 
And it's not something that we put excuses in front of. It's not something to be scared of. Um, I, I'm really glad that, uh, well, I, I don't want to say that I'm glad nobody, this certain person isn't at church because that's bad, but I'm glad she's not here because I don't want her to hit me. Um, but one of the college students, her name rhymes with Bamey but starts with a J, but I won't say it. Um, she was telling me a story on Tuesday uh, about um, <laughs> she was driving. She was leaving the college, right? And she pulled up to a stop sign and, and she's, you know, just going along her way. She stops the stop sign. She's like, yeah, I was here first. And she starts, starts to go and this guy starts honking next to her like aggressively, like, hey, hey, hey. And she's like, oh my gosh, maybe I wasn't here first. You know how you, you drive home from work and you kind of forget you're driving. All of a sudden you're home or like, I don't remember getting here. And so she was like, well, maybe that was me. Maybe I don't remember. Maybe I wasn't here first. I, I don't know. And so she, she ended up going and, and this guy comes up behind her and he's still honking. And she's like, oh my gosh, this guy's mad at me. I must have messed something up. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. And then she stops at a stoplight and he's behind her. And she looks in a rearview mirror, like glances in there because you know, you don't want him to see your eyes, right? And so she glances in the mirror and he's like waving his hands at her. And she's like, uh, this guy is gonna like pull a gun out on me. I don't know what's gonna happen. So the light turns green. And she takes off, and she's like, I'm just going to go faster than he is so he can't catch me. And she, man, she's hauling rear end. Sorry, John. Um, uh, she's going fast, right? And he can't keep up with her, and finally, okay, he turns off, and she's like, you know, tears in her eyes. She's like, it was stressful. This guy, I'm just a girl alone in a car. This guy was really mad at me. And she's telling me the story at Tuesday at the, at the college in the spiritual formation office. And another guy uh, in the spiritual formation office goes, yeah, well, I mean, that was me. I was just telling you hi. <laughs> she made a huge deal out of nothing. It's a guy that just wanted to say hi. And I think when we look through the lens of the binoculars of the Great Commission, we, we tend to get scared. Right? We're seeing it the wrong way. We flip those binoculars around. This is the best message in the world. This is the coolest thing in the world. And we can see it clearly if we just share that. There's no reason to be scared. It's Jesus. This little bitty thing called life right here is, is so minute in comparison to all of eternity. We're talking about eternity, not just this life here. If someone gets mad at you, so what? If they honk at you, so what? We're telling them about Jesus. So, and I ask how we do that. We do that, obviously, by telling God's story, not our story. We tell God's story in our life, but we spread the beautiful message and love of Christ. And when absolutely necessary, use words. If we don't have words, then live it out in love. As Christians, we're, we're called to fall more in love with God and, and live our lives out in, in this world towards others in that love. I think we have a greater opportunity to, to have an impact with the refocusing on the Great Commission Love causes Christians and churches to lean towards those who, who do not yet know Christ. And I, and I think that love also causes those who do not yet know Christ to lean more into the church and be receptive to the gospel that they potentially misunderstand or things that we have messed up as humans. So essentially, it, you, can, you can mark out the I don't know um, and, and write this down. It's talking the talk and walking the walk. Best thing I can come up with. So I'm going to go ahead and invite the band on stage, and I'm going to close out with something um, that I, I prayed a lot over. I, I talked to the team about this, and, and I think um, this is something that, that God uh, really laid on my heart that we should do. Um, 
And so I, I'm gonna ask a series of questions um, and, and I'm asking for a response. I'm not gonna humiliate anybody. I'm not gonna bring you up on stage and make you talk, um, none of that. Uh, the simplicity of what I'm asking is simply just to stand up. If the answer to any of these questions as I'm reading them is a yes, that's all. I'm just asking you to stand. Don't be scared, don't be shy, be bold and be hopeful. Um, look through the lens of the Great Commission of, of what God is, looking, is asking us to look through it for. If you are called to fulfill the Great Commission and become a missionary overseas, please stand up. If you are called to fulfill the Great Commission by planting churches or helping plant churches, please stand up. If you are called to lead or teach in fulfilling the Great Commission here locally in your church or around Sheridan, please stand up. If you are called to fulfill the Great Commission in your school, please stand up. If you are called to fulfill the Great Commission in your work, please stand up. If you're called to fulfill the Great Commission in your home, please stand up. If you are called to fulfill the Great Commission, please stand up.